Life was bitter to the core There was nothing to live for Until love came My name is Harold J. Perkins And at the age of 17 I was selling drugs And on my way to an early grave While sitting in my house with about 10 guys God gave me an out-of-body experience And I was lifted above the room I could see everything moving in slow motion After that I got up and put those guys out And I cried out to Jesus Christ He came into my life with liberty and purpose. Then I ran into religion. And it has taken me over 40 years to navigate through religion to fully understand what came into me that day. This podcast is to help put you on a faster track than it took me to get through religion and experience life, liberty, and purpose on a higher level. So get ready. We're about to start a revolution. Again, welcome. My name is uh, Harold J. Perkins, and in episode one, we ended talking about righteousness, and we'll get into that within this episode as well. But first, is it not time to start a revolution? Look at what's going on in the world today. We can easily see that somebody needs to bring some light, and Jesus Christ is the light. And the church, which is his body, is supposed to be a reflection of him. But right now, religion appears to have the church in a form of godliness that is not impacting the world as it should. Now, I'm not against church. There are some really good pastors of churches that are bringing the right word for this hour. And after hearing them, you leave refreshed and encouraged. Uh, My pastor speaks comfort and confirmation of my purpose almost every week. But overall, right now, religion has the upper hand, and it's a revolution against religion that is about to happen. Now, just like when Jesus started his ministry to show you how far people had gotten away from what had been life uh, with great miracles happening. God was bringing water out of a rock. He blew fish to them in the desert uh, to eat. Powerful, supernatural things were happening. But by the time Jesus came thousands of years later, God's people had become religious and those supernatural happenings like that were not happening. So here comes Jesus. He walks in the synagogue, which would have been the equivalent to our church today. He stands up and he reads from the book of Isaiah that spoke about his coming and basically said, I'm here now. Now, you would think that God showing up in human flesh saying, I'm here, would have them praising and worshiping God. But that's not what happened. They took Jesus by force to a hill to throw him off to kill him. But he, with the power of God, as far as they could go, the power of God was around him. He just walked straight through them. But here's the point. Look how far religion had taken them that here God shows up in their midst and they don't even recognize him. Is it possible that's what's happening in the church today? Now, overall, we don't see the miracles like in the book of Acts, you know, like after Jesus died. In some cases, they are happening. But young people, get ready. God is about to pour out an anointing on you and all of those of you who who are young and old, who are dissatisfied with the status quo, get ready. Now, don't take my word for it. Let's uh, listen to what the word of God has to say, okay? I'm in the book of of, um, Joel chapter two, and here's what it says. 
Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in the holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nine at hand. A day of darkness. Now we're not seeing darkness. A day of darkness and of gloominess. A day of clouds and of thick darkness. As the morning spread upon the mountains, he's saying, a great people shall arise and a strong. There has not been ever the like, neither shall be to be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. A fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burneth. The land is as the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness, yea, and nothing shall escape them. The appearance of them is as the appearance of horses, and as a horseman, so shall they run. Notice it says that all of a sudden they're going to show up like horses. Now, when you think of that, you think about speed. All of a sudden, a, a horse is pretty quick. It gets on you in a hurry, right, if it's running fast. I believe what God is saying here is that there is a time when he's going to pour on his people. And I believe it's going to be similar to what we saw with Moses. And here's what I mean by that. When Moses, all of a sudden, Moses was 40 years uh, back on the back of the mountain, not doing what he was called to do. And all of a sudden, God shows a burning bush shows up, okay? And God is speaking to him out of that bush. A supernatural occurrence happened there. And from that point on in Moses' life, miracle after miracle after miracle began to take place in his life all the way until he died. I believe that just as that appeared, that God's going to do it in this hour. He's going to show up on his people in the day of his son, and that power is going to be seen. We already see that something that was written thousands of years ago would told us what was going to be happening. There was going to be darkness and gross darkness in the world. And here we are. Well, if he was right about that, he's going to be right about this people that are going to rise up. Now, one of the things I said uh, in the first episode, I said, well, actually, before I, before I go there, I want to read verse uh, number 11. Okay, here's what verse 11 says. And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, his army, for his camp is very great. For he is strong that executed his word. For the day of the Lord is great and terrible, and who shall abide it? Notice it's called God's army. Does the church look like an army now? No, it doesn't. So a revolution is needed and a revolution is going to happen. Now, I also said on the first episode that one of the first things that God will do is transfer wealth to his people. Listen to verse 17. I'm going to read 17, 18, and 19. Let the priest, the ministers of the Lord, weep before the porch and the altar. And let them say, spare thy people, O Lord, and give not that heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, where is their God? Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Yea, the Lord will answer and will say unto his people, behold, I will send you corn and wine and oil, and ye shall be satisfied therewith. Now, when you see corn and wine and oil mentioned, it's talking about prosperity. He's going to send financial prosperity. Now, 
we can get a little clearer than that. He speaks a little more clearer. I'm going to go over now to the book of, of Isaiah. Now, I want you to notice that the same darkness that was described in Joel is going to be described here. Okay? Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up thine eyes round about and see. All they gather themselves together, they come to thee. Thy sons shall come from afar, and thy daughters shall be nursed at thy side. Then thou shalt see and flow together. And your heart shall reverence and be enlarged because the abundance of wealth of the sea shall be converted unto thee. The forces of the Gentiles will come unto thee. God is going to cause some supernatural blessings to happen for some people, his people. It is going to happen. Now, this is why I said at the close of the first episode that one of the most important things is knowing what God has said, because it will come to pass. God will always do what he says, no matter what he has to do to bring it to pass. Now, if it's going to come to pass in your life, you've got to believe what he said. But how can you believe what he said if you don't know what he said? Now, right here, uh, I, I think it's important that I tell you what led up to me getting to know God's word. Uh, I believe it's a, it's a good lesson for those of you who are doing everything you know to do to be successful, but it's not showing up because that's what was happening with me. You know, when I came to know the Lord, I believe he put the desire in me to be a professional baseball player. And I was doing everything that I know to try to become a professional baseball player. Uh, within about four years, I burned the midnight oil. I sharpened my skills up. I thought I was ready. I hit 414 my second year at Compton Junior College. I thought that was enough to get drafted, but it didn't happen. And I went to the Lord as we do when things don't go right. And I said, Lord, what's up? Where's your help here? And here's what he said to me. He said, baseball is your God. And I knew exactly what he meant. I did everything around baseball. I had my sister rolling me ground balls in the living room. I found little kids over at the, ball, at the park to hit me fly balls. I went to the batting cage and spent money after money after money there. I did everything. Now, while I was doing all this, I spent little time in the Bible. Well, actually, I spent no time in the Bible. I spent little time in prayer. I did go to church every now and then, but so that I knew exactly what he meant. Then he said this to me, and it really changed my mindset. He quoted me he, uh, Matthew 6.33, which says this, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. Again, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added to you. Then he said, Seek me and I'll add baseball. And I said, you got a deal. So every day I started reading my Bible and spending time in prayer. I told my family six months before the draft, I would be drafted. That's how much confidence I had in what God had said. I enrolled in Cal State Los Angeles and made the team. But the scouts that were coming to the games, they weren't coming to see me. They were coming to see all these other players that were expected to go in the draft. But here's what happened. After me hitting only 284, far less than what I hit the year before and didn't get drafted, 
I was the only player to get drafted that year off of our team. God did what he said he would do. Now, let me also say, he did it while I was still, I still had a lot of bad habits, but he was looking at my heart and the fact that I was seeking him as he, as he asked me to do. And over time, those bad habits began to fall one after another after another while I was seeking God. And for eight years of professional baseball, I continued to seek him even more uh, in the minor leagues where I, I played. We'd have three and four hour bus rides to some games and I would read the Bible the whole trip most of the time. I got to know God's word and that he would do what he said. So when I asked him for something, I could point him to what he had said he would do. There's a scripture in the Bible that says what well, God says. God says, put me in remembrance. In other words, he's saying, put me in remembrance of what I said. See, most people don't understand what the value is in knowing the Bible. And, and taking the time to study the Bible and know God. Let me give you an example of what's available to us in power and authority when we understand what he said. There was a family member that was trying to take my mother's house. And we went to court uh, the first day. And man, it really looked like they were going to win. Uh, after the first day of testimony that went forth, uh, they were celebrating after that, after the court. And boy, it looked like they were going to take my mother's house. And so I went out to pray that night and I said, Lord, I, 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 you know, basically I'm the righteous seed. I'm in Christ. And I, here's what I'm expecting. I, I'm expecting to see favor with this judge. I'm expecting to, for you to confuse this attorney and that ultimately we win this case because it's wrong what they're trying to do. And you know it. And this is what I'm expecting you. I'm expecting the God to be, when I got into this thing, I'm expecting God to be God and to do what I can't do. So here's what happened. We go into court the next day, and I saw exactly what I said, what I asked God for. The first thing was with the judge. I noticed very clearly, it was easy to see that every person that came up and testified for my mom, when they left the stand, the judge said, thank you, Mr. Perkins. Thank you, Miss So-and-so. Uh, he was very polite, very nice to them. And when my the person that was trying to take my mother's house, her witnesses, every time they left the stand, he didn't open his mouth. He said nothing. OK. OK. Now we get to the attorney. My mom at the time was 85 years old. And when this attorney started questioning my mom, my 85 year old mom whipped his tail. Uh, I'm telling you. Uh, she actually started crying in the in the context of the questioning. And the judge said, Miss Slaughter, do we need to take a break? And uh, she said, no, I'm OK. So she finished. And I watched this attorney when he finished questioning my mom. He went to sit down and he didn't sit down. He kind of hovered over the seat for a little while before he sat. And I noticed he looked like he was in a boxing match and he had got hit and he, he didn't know where he was. He looked confused. I saw God do what I had said and what I expected to see him do for the righteous. And we won that case. This is the place that we have in righteousness. Now, let's get back into understanding a little bit more. Why is this so important to understand? And what is it really? What is righteousness? You know, we we have been heard. We've, I've been around Christendom for a long time. And I've heard that, that it's right standing with God. And it is. But it's more than that. It's more than that. I'm reading from from Ephesians 23 and 24, and here's what it says. 
and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. I want you to notice that it says, put on the new man, which is created after God in righteousness and true holiness. Do you hear what that's saying? Jesus referred to his father before he left her. He referred to his father in two ways. He he called him righteous and he called him holy. And here we see here that it says we've been created, our new man, after God in righteousness and true holiness. God is righteous. God is holy. And he's made us just like him. Why do you think he said to Abraham, blessing I, I'm going to bless you. And multiplying myself, I'm going to multiply you. So here's what's about to take place. There is a people that are about to wake up to what really God did in making us righteous. We're going to wake up and understand this is why Jesus said, he said this, he said, the works that I do, you will do also, and you'll do greater works than these. Why would he make such a statement? Because he knew he was going to the Father, and that meant that his spirit would actually be coming in us, and we would now be able to move in power. That's what's about to come upon the earth. We're about to see the power of God upon his people in a way that has never been seen on the earth before. Now, you have to understand this. It's not going to happen without challenges. God is not going to allow you to reach the top without preparing you through tests and trials. Even Jesus did not get to the right hand of God without tests and trials. The Bible says that Jesus learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Suffering is a wonderful thing when you understand what it's for. I just went through six years of the toughest time of my life. And I'm telling you, it was one of the greatest things that God did for me because he prepared me for this right here, this day, and he prepared me for what's ahead. There, When you look in the Bible and you look at people that God has used in a mighty way, he has taken them through tests and trials. Joseph is a great example. God spoke about what he was going to do with him at 17 years old. And God let him go through a period of, of I think, close to 14 years of his life. He went to uh, he was sold into slavery. He went to prison. But yet and still, with all that happening, he was eventually elevated to second in command in Egypt. And the last 80 years of his life, he lived as if heaven was on earth. The last 80 years of his life, he wanted for nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but that's the end that I want. I don't care what you see of me in the middle. Say what you want. See what you want. Watch my end, okay? And that's what you should want. Don't be deterred by the problems and the challenges that God takes you through. It's the process that he's taking you through to develop you to be the person that he has called you to be. There is a de destiny for you. There is a purpose that God has for us all. This is one of the most important times on, on the planet Earth to ever be alive. Don't be confused are deceived by the darkness on the earth. We just read scripture that God is telling us what's going to be on the back end of this darkness that we're seeing right now. So we'll get into this more in other episodes ahead. Let me say right here, if you don't know our living Savior, Jesus Christ, 
you get to know him right now. Say this prayer with me. Say, God, I believe that you sent your son, Jesus, to die for my sins. Jesus, I accept you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Help me to live this life. That's it. It's that simple. If you mean what you just prayed, start reading the Bible for yourself. You can start in the book of St. John and in the book of Romans, and God will begin to show you his purpose for your life, and he'll begin to show himself to you. All right. We'll see you on the next episode.